Welcome to episode 236 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. This is edition number one, uh, four, uh, 140 above in the Batflip. Bub and I are bringing you the second base preview. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 140. Continuing our positional previews for the 2023 season, our first time before we recap them, of course, for you non-regular listeners to the show. So this is our first run-through of the position, and then we kind of fine-tune things as draft season goes along. We will kick it off with second base last week, first base week before catcher. Interesting stuff at second base we will get to for sure. But before we do that, a little housekeeping. I am on Twitter, at BDentric, and my co-host is always on Twitter, at BatFlipCrazyToby. How are we doing, my friend? Uh, doing well, Bubba. God, I missed that catcher preview that we did, you know? Yeah. Feels like so long ago, but um, now we got to do all these infield positions that nobody ever wants to talk about, you know? So nobody. it's good, though. I have my my Christmas sweater on. Um, mm-hmm. So Merry Christmas to everybody this weekend. Happy Hanukkah. It's a year where Hanukkah yeah. and Christmas overlap. overlap. Yeah, which is which is which is rare. I feel like it's been a while since that happened. So, yep. um, it's a great it's a great time. Yep, everyone's having fun. The uh, menorahs were lit on uh, Sunday night to start the eight days of fun there, and now you get to Christmas come this weekend, and a little bit of everything should be. And it's on it's on the weekend, which should be fun. It's a, lot, a lot of cold weather it looks like coming this weekend. So enjoy your oh, family and inside. It looks like so. Yeah. Uh oh. Should I haven't checked while. the weather, Bubba. I got to get on my weather app now. I don't think we're going to get snow so much, but it's going to get really cold. There is going to be some snow Midwest and the East. That's going to be a thing. So oh, wow. um, I hope everyone stays safe and has a good time. But what is a good time, I don't know about you guys, is second base. And we got one listener question. It's a lot of fun tonight. It's got a little DQ twist to it, which would be good. Anytime you mention Dairy Queen in a yeah. question, it rises to the top. He knows how to get there. And he's, he's a GTE patron gaining the edge, which I appreciate him. He's a fun dude in those cool. discards. So I'm glad he asked that question in here. The Dairy Queen man himself. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to the answer. I want to be educated by Toby, the Dairy Queen man here. But um, let's get to second base. Uh, how are you attacking the position this year? Because... You know, in years past, it's, you know, we last year everyone was all excited about the value on Altuve. It paid off in a big way. Uh, we talked a little before the show, like everyone went high on Simeon. It started out bad, still finishes by far the best second baseman in baseball. A lot of guys are bounce back candidates per se this year. It's, it's, a, it's a weird position, but interesting at the same time. So how are you attacking 2023? Yeah, I think, I think it just in my initial look at the position, I think it's a position where I'm trying to get in a lot of ways, last year's how, what's what does that saying go? Like last year's last year's bum or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, exactly. That one. Um, it feels like there's a few players who have fallen a decent amount either because they had poor seasons or just, you know, for, for reasons I can't particularly explain. And I think there's others. And then I think it's also a surprisingly deep position in the sense that there's some guys going 
later on that I feel okay, at least taking a shot on, you know, I feel like they're high upside enough where you can, you can put them in there and, and hope that you strike gold a little bit. And if it doesn't work out, you know, maybe you're in a little bit of a bind, but, um, but there's some, some interesting profiles, I think towards the end of the draft. So, you know, I think there's, there's talent there. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice looking position. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's a position I, I remember in years past when we've done our previews, we've usually been pretty high on like the later guys. We've always been Colton Wong guys and, and other, but that's just the one that rings the bell, but we've been high on a bunch of guys like that. You're like, okay, if you don't get one early, it's not a bad fallback plan. If all the shortstops go good middle infield options late, like we've usually been pretty okay with the second base position. And it kind of feels that way again this year, looking at it, it doesn't feel as uh, top heavy. Maybe like there's not as many, many dominant guys per se, unless these bounce back guys do bounce back to where they were, but it does seem like there's enough depth of guys that can bring you some pretty good floors. And it's like nice upside. It feels like, when you're trying to like hit it big on say your SP three, like, and that's how you win like leagues is when your SP three goes big, if you can hit that second baseman that all of a sudden finds it again, that, that value it turns back could be the quote unquote, like a kind of a game changer thing in, in your season. So it's one of those deals that um, it's going to be a lot of guessing, a lot of analysis, but if you can like hit right on one of these guys we talk about, maybe like right now we're going 15 through say 30, even at second base, you wouldn't be shocked if one of these guys like shows up and like and, and does something like really really good and finishes top you know seven top six at the position that that's a game changer where you're getting them in ADP wise. So th- this is that position that has that volatility. I will say that could be positively volatile. So we'll we'll see how that pans out as well. All right, let's talk ADP. Let's talk second base. Let's get cracking on it. Top ten as we do always. We'll go one by one. And there's really no hiding who number one is at the position. Marcus Simeon for the second straight season has been, well, second straight season has been very, very good. He's been doing this for a while, though. Like we always talk about at bats, last year, 161 games, 162, 162, 159. He had a down season of 17, but 159, 155. He's over 600 plate appearances in two, four, six of the last, or seven of the last eight, like full seasons of baseball. The power's there, the speed's there. He hits for his averages, you know, wishy-washy at times. But in a sport, Toby, where we talk at bats, at bats, at bats, there is not one person more consistent than Marcus Simeon. And right now he's got an ADP of 33.5 since November 19th, the last month, 11 draft champions drafts. So what are your thoughts on Simeon? I know we were all kind of like, do you, is he worth the, the price last year because he got such a bump from his awesome season? Well, he's got even a more bump here, but I think it's starting to feel justified just a bit. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, you know, he's just a producer. I think at this point, he's obviously a year older, but one of the things I said last year was, Oh, I don't expect him to steal those 15 bases again. And I was, I was totally wrong there. You know, the home run production is interesting. I think one thing with Semyon is throughout his career, he's been a, he's really relied on pulled fly balls. So he's a high barrel to home run guy. I think he's got 168 home runs or uh, 178 home runs on just 207 barrels throughout his career. And last year, you know, that was down a little bit. His home run per fly ball was at 10.1 down from even a career at 12.2. So, you know, I think we all knew that kind of 2021 was, was, was the pinnacle that we were unlikely to see anything better than that um, from Semyon again, particularly because he is such an accumulator with the, um, with the plate appearances, like you mentioned. Um, but you know, like super, super solid, um, projection at 250, 26 home runs, 19 steals. 
I think there's no reason to necessarily quibble with that. I could see even a little bit of upside on the power, um, just because of what I mentioned before, where, you know, he hit 26 home runs last year, although, you know, it was 724 plate appearances. So we got to factor that into it a little bit, but, um, you know, so maybe that's baked in a little bit, but I could see a little bit of upside there. Maybe I still think it's just a question of, you know, um, yeah, what you, what you want to grab here. I don't, I don't think he's an awful pick. You know, I don't think he's a bad pick. Um, I probably won't pick him, but I can see, um, I can see why people are interested in just such a solid producer. I do think the batting average leaves a little bit to be desired, but you know, that's the only real quibble you can have with him, I think. And, and his BABIP was down last year. So. Yeah, the biggest thing, like you said, is the production should still be pretty good. There's not a lot to argue there. He should, on paper, still be the top, if not the top second baseman for fantasy purposes in the game. Um, and when you're looking at the ADP outside of just uh, second base, but overall you're talking like, what are you looking for as you're drafting here? It's a lot of starting pitchers. If you weigh this is like basically your 2-3 turn. Uh, you got your Alcantara's, your DeGrom's, your Cease, your Strider, haters there, McClanahan, Woodruff, lots of guys all around him. Position players, JTR, Lindor, um, that's about it. I guess kind of Goldie's going a little earlier, Aaron Arnold a little later. So it's, do you want to go second base early? Do you want a pitcher early? Do you want another position? That's why he's got like a ADP of 23 to 41. It's very, very stretched out because it's kind of this draft strategy in general. But uh, I think it's pretty much go Simeon or go pitcher, it looks like, right now in your DCs, if that's something you're looking for. But in the end – you know, we talk about getting quasi-safe players in your early picks, like solid floor players. Not many more solid floors than um, Simeon. What I really like about him, if you're just thinking draft strategy purposes, say you got an early first-round pick and you go Aaron Judge, and so you know stolen bases could be kind of limited. Or you, you go another of those outfielders, like not seeing you go in Soto that early, but say you go another position player that you're kind of worried about stolen base upside a little bit. Grabbing Simeon, who you should get you 20-plus, if not 25 with the power, that helps you, obviously, going through the draft, especially at second base. There's some steals here, but not like uh, the 25-25 type guys. So it is it is a difference maker for sure. All right, now it gets sad because I'm going to say some things that I said to John Fish on Monday night's show, and I'm going to say them on this show. So I have accountability here. Jazz Chisholm's the second second baseman off the board at 44.27. Everyone knows how much I love Jazz Chisholm. I can't pay for Jazz Chisholm uh, at 44.27. I just can't. I believe this is a 30-30 guy if he ever stays healthy. And that is the most gigantic if I've said. This is three straight years now. It's one of those, like, at the draft capital, I need much more certainty than uh, Jazz Chisholm. And anybody can get hurt, but I can't do Jazz, which really, really hurts Toby because I love Jazz. I'm going to have to root for Jazz. I hope I have to do a Jazz tour of shame. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. I hope I need a Jazz tour of shame. But uh, I love him. Maybe his ADP starts to drop, and then I can get back in. I don't know what number that'll be. But the power and speed is there. Batting average swing and miss is a question. But even with that, he's shown the ability to go 20-20, if not 30-30, I think. So it's tough. What do you got on Jazz? Yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition of Semyon at number one and and – jazz at number two because i think you know jazz on a per plate appearance basis is you know um i would rather have jazz you know yep. just with the with the um i mean not that Semyon didn't have the speed power combo last time but you know like you mentioned i think the ceiling is a little bit 
higher on a per plate appearance basis. And we've kind of seen that uh, throughout Jazz's career, but, you know, he can't stay healthy. Um, I can't remember exactly what the injuries are. I know some of them were kind of soft tissue type things. He does play aggressively. He does steal. Um, I, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's a challenging, it's a challenging pick to make this early in a draft to go with jazz because I can see the upside, you know, the projection sees the upside, uh, certainly again on a per plate appearance basis, he's probably got one of the best, the better, um, projections, but I just have a really hard time with, with what you have to, um, you know, sacrifice for, for that, for that upside. And again, like he's, when he's played, he's been really, really good. So I don't, I don't think it's a matter of proving that he's good. And, and you mentioned the contact, um, the contact challenges, the strike, strike, strike up rate is, is higher than you would like. Um, but it's not astronomical and it has improved. So, yes. You know, he's still young, he's getting better, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, again, I I think I I don't, I'm not, I'm not there. You know, I feel like, you know, Trevor Story's going however much later and, you know, while I, I don't know if there's the same speed upside, I think there's the other stuff that Jazz is producing probably can be generated from Story, who was pretty unlucky last year, but we're not talking about him yet. Um, and the other thing I'd say about Jazz, if I can, I'll spin a positive because something tells me at some point in time I will draft draft him just because it's one of those like I have that's FOMO or something like it'll happen. But if if there was a format, I know some people hate this. Like your fifties and your DCs, you're drafting whole formats. Might be the format because you're drafting two, three, four second basemen maybe. So it gives you that that backup luxury. It stinks at the same time because you're taking such an early pick and you're already knowing you have to basically handcuff him which is not ideal, but if there's a format to do it, could be the one. I can just go I – I, I even did it in Gladiator 1 draft. I don't think I took Jazz, but I went uh, I went second base, second base. I think I went like Story, Andres Jimenez, or Story. Like I went bang, bang. So like it really depleted things quickly type deal. And uh, you could do something similar if you had to. Let's put it that way. And Nick Pollock is asking where my sweater is. I'll leave my shirt on so we don't have to see my sweater, Nick. I'll, I'll save everybody the, the trouble there. There's a joke for you there, Nick. A joke. Yeah, Duke nothing. Silver. Yeah. It's a great Parks and Rec reference, I think. Yep. Right? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, Nick Pollock always joining us on Tuesday nights. We love Nick Pollock. Um, third second baseman. We're going to leave Jazz alone because it's tough every time I've had to talk about him. It's just really, really sad. Because um, even if you look at the Razzball play rate last year, Toby, for missing basically over half a season, he still finished relatively well. Like he's that like he's a per plate appearance, he's a beast. Absolute beast. Um third second baseman off the board. This is the one who's like the ninth or tenth second baseman last year off the board. Now he's up to third. That's Jose Altuve at 45.9 right behind Jazz Chisholm. Altuve just keeps getting it done in his age 32 season, 28 homers, 18 steals hit 300. He's usually all he's always in for a good average. The power's been pretty darn good. Uh he scores over 100 runs again, but that's Speed came back in a big way, first time since 2018 with double-digit steals, Toby. And that's always been the question mark. That's kind of why he's fallen in drafts. We're like, well, you know, he doesn't run anymore. He doesn't run anymore. Well, now he does. Again, well, at least he did last year. That's the question. Well, again, next year, with the new stolen base rules, maybe he will. So what's your thoughts on Altuve, a guy that makes me – I feel more comfortable drafting him than Jazz right now, which is rough. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of uh, – it's kind of – it's kind of – 
wild. He had a wild season. Altuve did last year, just with the steals coming back, and then he he had the highest runs per plate appearance of any second baseman, which I guess is not necessarily all that surprising because he's got a great OBP. But at seventeen point one percent, you know it's pretty it's pretty astronomical. Um, the projection for this year is at fourteen point eight percent. So I think we see that runs come down, but at the same time, you know, his RBI per plate appearance was extremely low last year too, 9.4%. So it was a little bit of an unbalanced profile. So I think you see the runs come down a little bit, RBI come up a little bit, but you know, it's hard to quibble with Altuve at this point. Um, You know, he's the all around package, whether the speed comes back or not. um, I mean, the batting average plays. So you know, again, I, I feel like it's a, one of those situations where he had a year where kind of everything went right. And so the cost reflects that. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't reflect the production he provided last year, but it, it certainly, you know, is kind of baked in that he's going to do something similar to what he did last year. And I'm not sure I'm quite there on it, but you know, it's a very safe profile. He's never been bad when he has played. Um, outside of that fluke 2020 season when he totally mashed in the playoffs. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, again, really solid. Like you said, I mean, a really, you know, interesting juxtaposition again, just because I really enjoy that word a lot between him and Jazz. You know, similar in ADP, getting there in very, very different ways. So, And I guess the one thing is, even if Jazz played a whole year, pretty sure Altuve would smoke him and run scored because the Marlins are the Marlins. And uh, maybe might even get more RBIs than Jazz, even with Jazz hitting more home runs just because of the situation there. So you're basically gambling on hopefully more homers and steals from Jazz where average runs, and I'd be willing to say potentially RBIs would be better than Jazz. So like a three to five, at least we can call it a two and a half, two and a half split. Like what are you looking for, power speed or looking for average and runs? That's kind of the angle I'd look to one of those two. But uh, Altuve shouldn't regress too much being at the top of that order still in that ballpark. I, I like him quite a bit. But he's like team safe. He's a Scott Jensen pick, which obviously does very well. So that's that's something to keep in mind. You know, team safe is not a bad thing. Fourth second baseman off the board. We're starting to see some bounce back candidates here. Ozzy Albies at pick 51. And this is a tough one for me because I've always been an Ozzy Albies believer. Last year, even before he went like out for the season, it makes me wonder if he was hurt a lot during that stretch before he went out. He was rough. The, the production was bad. A lot of the, like everything you wanted to see, there's really no no glimmer of hope. His uh, Babbitt continued to drop worse, worse than his career. Uh, Strikeout rate wasn't bad still, which was good to see, but the power, the speed, it was all just dwindling for a guy that went 30, 20, and 2021. And every year just kept improving, improving, improving. And last year just fell off the map. I'm going to kind of credit it to injury and hope that he can bounce back. He's going to be 26 this year. I'm still optimistic. You know, he got probably 15 steal upside, 20 plus home runs. But, you know, there's still questions. if it, is, it Was it injury-based or not? And that's probably why he's dropped this much because he used to be one of the top second basemen off the board. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Albies is really interesting. I mean, a year ago, he was he was the talk of the, of the town, um, you know, and it just goes to show you how quickly things can kind of fall off. I think he's probably fine, you know. I, I think the only challenge is I think what you saw last year was like an erosion of some – underlying skill as opposed to um you know necessarily like bad luck or anything like that you know like his barrel rate fell pretty dramatically you know to 5.4 percent after it had been at over nine percent for you know the previous um 600 batted ball events 
you know, but you know, that, that 5.4% is near his career average of 6.2%. So it could just be kind of a, a little bit of a inconsistent profile, you know, um, uh, similarly, I mean, he only had, you know, he had that as 11 barrels for the eight home runs, you know, the home run per fly ball rate was down considerably. You know, you look at his 2021 breakout season, he had a career low ground ball rate at 31.4%. And now you see him back at 37.7%, which is right around his career average. So was that 2021 power surge, a little bit of a fluke, just in terms of the ground ball rate being, uh, a lot lower than it should be. You know, like this is probably last year is probably what his skill is. And so you probably want to look at that five to 6% range for barrels. And with the, with the ball working the way that it has, you know, I think you can also maybe, um, it might suggest that, you know, there was already some regression that was coming in a little bit there. So then you get into the kind of the speed dynamic and he's still so young. I mean, he's only 25, which is just wild to me. It feels like he's been around forever. The batting average has never been, you know, like it's always been solid, but never um, really good, you know. Um, so I think there's some positive regression kind of coming his way, but then you see his O swing shot up. You know, again, his O swing's never been like his forte, but much higher than it usually is and in the contact rate. So I think what you're kind of doing is saying, hey, you know, we're probably not getting back to that power surge of 2021. It seems like it was kind of, very much like a Vlad Jr. 2021, you know, in terms of like everything going the right way um, for you. So I don't think we're probably going to see that again. And so it's just a question of, like you mentioned, like, was it an injury that was, that was impacting some of those underlying things that was impacting the chase rate, you know, um, that was impacting the barrel rate. And, and as I mentioned before, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think he's probably like a 6% barrel guy. So that's all to say, you know, I think that uh, Ozzy's fine. You know, he should d- hit at the top of that lineup, you know, and, and he's a accumulator. Um, so I think he'll be okay, but I'm probably not going to be there. I'm not, probably not going to go there where he's going right now. Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted to add is um, with Danzy Swanson not coming back, Albie's thrived when he's at the top of the order there behind Acuna. In between Freeman and Acuna, he thrived in that spot. Uh, Freddie's not coming back, Bubba. Fred, Freddie's Freddie not coming either. back. Yeah, I hate to uh, breaking news, folks. Freddie is not coming back. Um, it's one of those that if they put him back up there, that's great. You know, roster resource has Michael Harris up there at second. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but that would be a thing uh, they have like Albie sitting sixth and seventh. That would be horrific for this for this this mm-hmm. concept uh, to to make Albie's. A top yeah. five second baseman draft pick, he's got to hit towards the top. That's just bottom line stuff. So we'll see how that plays out. He'll be a definite one to watch. Like when Curlin does his spring training lineup stuff, like that would be a big one for me. When they're rolling out most of their starters, where does Ozzy Albies fit in that lineup? And same with Michael Harris, because that'll affect his value a ton too. And I know Phil DeSoto talked about the platoons and everything. Like there's a lot that factors into that Braves lineup with uh, some of these key high draft picks, in my opinion. So something to monitor you know, in like two months when pitchers and catchers report. And it's not that far away, actually. It's mid-February when they report. So we're just around the corner. All right. The fifth second baseman off the board. This one, Toby, sent it out a few times. And I told him off air, I've been a fan of Trevor Story in these drafts. I've been seeing uh, gladiators in the draft and hold formats. I've been a fan because 
He's a fifth second baseman off the board, about pick 71. I think he's still one of the top end, obviously, elite type second baseman, but you're not paying that as elite freight for Trevor Story, which I'm a big, big fan of. You know, last year was an up and down year, obviously, at 238, 16 homers, 13 steals. A lot of that came off after a horrific start. Like, all things considered, finished the season pretty darn strong. First year in Boston, I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable. He was playing a lot of second base. He'll be going back to shortstop this year, too. I think that could be something to think about. Guys changing positions mentally. How that we've talked like they talk about that about so many people. How that affects you at the plate. Um, I think that could be big. Going back to shortstop there for Trevor Story, and just in general, I wouldn't be shocked if we're back over twenty homers, definitely over fifteen steals. Um, Dev, it's basically the him endeavors show right now. So I, I'm a, a big fan of this price point for Trevor Story. Yeah, I think I am too. I think I am too, Bubba. I mean, the thing about story, I'm, I'm doing a little research here. I'm doing a little research behind the scenes. For those of you who are not watching the YouTube, you're really missing out right now. I'm typing in the air. This is the research that I'm doing right now that you guys can't see happening because you're not watching us on YouTube. Hard-hitting analysis, folks. Hard-hitting hard analysis. Um, so the thing that was super interesting about story, you know, like what a fluky season he had. I mean, in a lot of ways, right? He had, I think, the broken finger that ended his season early. He had, what were the injuries? They were just like these kind of fluke injuries. He had the pressure of moving to Boston for the first time. He had this total anon- anomaly of a strikeout rate. Yeah. You know, his strikeout rate was at 30.8% last year after being at 234 24.3, 26.5, 25.6. I mean, it was... Earlier in his career, it was higher, um, but that's when he was like a little bit less aggressive. And um, yeah, and so, I mean, he did have lower contact rates, similar to what he had in um, in seasons past. But I just think that like, you know, everything else was fairly reasonable um, in terms of being similar, you know, so maybe that batting average shoots up a little bit, you know, nothing, nothing outrageous, but... I mean, if you just gave him what he did last year at 600 plate appearances, you know, you're talking about 24 home runs and you're talking about 19 steals, which is about what the projection is giving him at 661. So the batting average becomes kind of the thing. The BABIP's a little bit lower. He's obviously not playing in cores anymore. That's going to impact him. But at the same time, we've seen that guys can still be successful um, over there. You know, his barrel rate was the highest it has been since 2018 at 27. He had the highest max EV of his career last year. So it's not like the batted ball stuff, like underlying wise was all that much worse. Like the hard hit rate was lower, but given kind of the injuries and the fact that he never really got on track, you know, I I kind of chalked that up a little bit to that. And again, like, you know, some of this is arbitrary, like chalking it up to that versus, you know, some sort of skill change, but I just don't think he ever really fully got comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think, um, now, you know, what do they have? Where's he, where does roster resource have? I'll tell you right now. now. I was literally just they have him batting. Up. Like he's hitting second, second, second. Behind okay. Yoshida, who, Yoshida's an OBP monster in Japan. So if that translates even like three quarters, that could be real big. Yeah, I wish I wish Tommy Pham was there though. I love Tommy. So do Pham. I. I also kind of wish they put Verdugo up there too. Move Story to third, Devers to fourth, Turner to fifth. Get two guys again on base a ton. But 
Yeah. Well, hitting in front of story. I mean, the runs are going to be there. You know, Devers there. I think Justin Turner is a, such a, a really nice fit. You know, a guy who was, who was pretty lucky last unlucky last year when it came to home runs. Now, you know, a guy who kind of pulls the ball opposite field now playing in Fenway. Um, I think that's a really nice um, little setup there. So I do like story a lot. I'm wondering if he got particularly, you know, I haven't looked this up, haven't looked this up, but we're going to go to the full count. We're going to go to the full count. We're going to go to this analysis. We're going to, we're going to go to the full count, Bubba here. We're going to go to the full count and we're going to see where Trevor story was in full counts last year. What was his, what was his, his, uh, I, the problem with all this is that I could really look bad, you know, if it, <laughs> okay. if it doesn't it, go, it'll well. make me feel better. Cause I'm usually the one that looks bad on this stuff. So okay. Go for it. Well, never. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see what we got. Trevor story. All right. He had a 35% strikeout rate last year in full counts. Um, a 32.5% walk rate, 35%. Okay. 35% for Trevor story. Now I wonder, can we get, can we get what his average was? You know, let's see his splits tool. All right. We're going to go. This is what you're missing folks by not watching the YouTube channel. You're actually, there's actually not anything that's seeing. All right, here we go. Here we go, Bubba. So we had a 35% strikeout rate last year in full counts. The year before that, he was at 22.5%. The year before that, he was at 27.8%. 33.3% the year before that. So three years where he's above, and then earlier in his career, he was higher. Um, and so I'm curious. Yeah. So it looks like a little bit of bad luck in those accounts, although I do want to see, let's group it by his career and see oh so he's at 33.8 percent. so what's his career batting average or what's his career k rate is 27.9 percent. so what I, what I would what that suggests to me is he's probably around like a true talent at this point at least based on what he did last year around like 27 percent for a strikeout rate so he was too high last year i don't know if it was all that it could have been called third strikes you know bad luck for that reason but I think he's I think he's closer to what that steamer projection is for the K rate. And so then it becomes a question of, yeah, a little bit of bad ball luck with that batting average. But I think the home run and steals are are pretty nice. I think you're getting 40 at least, you know, in a full healthy season from him. And, you know, he's going late enough in that 70 range where, you know, there I think there's enough upside with the batting average and kind of the context in being in Fenway and um, being at the at least part of a a nice top of the lineup, and by that I mean kind of like being next to Rafael Devers. Yeah, that doesn't stink, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just want to bring up one more thing because for those that remember, he had that like that amazing like one week stretch that just brought everybody back to life for a bit before he got hurt again. And he didn't even, he finished the season on the IL with I believe it was a wrist or a thumb issue or something. Yeah. Um, but I, I pulled up from when he had that three home run game. Basically, it was May nineteenth. Prior to that, he had two home runs and. Um, I believe it was four stolen bases on the season since from May 19th on, and he finished September 11th with a DL or an IL stint or two in between. 
He hit 14 of his 16 home runs, nine of his 13 stolen bases, and hit 255. That's a little more what you'd expect from Trevor Story, a little bit more. You still want more. He struck out nearly 31%, but 319 Babbitt, which is good to see. A barrel rate over 11%, hard hit rate of almost 44%. So it seemed like he kind of started to get comfortable before, before he started getting hurt. And it makes you really wonder if we could have saw like the 20 to five ish guy, maybe by the end of the season with like 15 plus stolen base. I think it's there. I really do. Like the strikeout rates, the strikeout rate to me, like it's going to fluctuate between probably 26 and 32. So it seems like with him, like you're saying the reels, reels probably like closer to 27, 28. But what he showed me in between those injuries, once he looked like he maybe got comfortable, a lot of power. The speed was back. He's hitting 255, which, okay, now we're talking Trevor story time. Like, so they're, they're, they're Maybe maybe we're both trying to talk ourselves into him is what it is, but it's it, it, it could be because we're both kind of like okay this seems like if to me it feels kind of like that Altuve value last year like what are we missing here why is he falling so far like we I don't have a good reason why he fell this far like what is it and um, we'll see maybe we're just both wrong maybe hopefully we're both right but at this point in time on December twentieth I think this is a pretty nice spot to take a Trevor Story if you wait on second base. Now, if you wait a little longer, it's everyone's hero, Tommy Tanks. <laughs> Tommy Edmond at pick 80, about 85 right now, six second baseman off the board. If you look at his 2022 stats, don't squint too hard because it looks just like his 2021 stats. 13 homers compared to 11, 32 steals compared to 30, 265 average compared to 262, but it gets better. 95 to 91 on runs, 57 to 56 on RBIs. Struck out more than 2021, but also walked more. Uh, played in three fewer games. He had 61 fewer plate appearances, and still the home run stall, the, the county stats were amazing, were better than 2021. He started out the year just on complete fire, slowed down a little bit around the break, picked it up at the end. Looks pretty darn good, Toby. Um, it's just, yeah, with the Cardinals, you always wonder, they always were like messing with them at the top of the order, where he's at in the order, what, what are they going to do with him? He's kept producing, though. So you Tommy Tanks fans uh, – it paid off in a big way. And, and in reality, for a guy that went back-to-back seasons of 11-30, basically, with a decent average, he's not costing a lot still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are, you, are you jumping off the train now? Well, it's just a Come pretty significant difference. Come join, me. I mean, Come join me. Last year, last mm-hmm. year, I mean, he was going around 110, uh-huh. you know, kind of pick 110-ish maybe. I like Tommy and I think you're right. I mean, I think we, he's been so consistent, you know, um, he's been so consistent in a lot of ways and I'm still waiting for that one year where he hits kind of 20 bombs. Cause I it's think it's coming, it's you know, like he's got 40 home runs and 70 on 73 barrels. So, you know, but last he's, year he he's had gonna, 29 he's be 28. Barrels. So it wouldn't shock you either. I mean, last year he had 29 barrels and only 13 home runs. So well under, he does play in like a, you know, a pitcher's park, if you will. The only concern that I have with him really, I mean, I think if he goes, if this is where he goes, then I think that's fine. You know, I think that's really good. Um, My only concern with him is that the plate discipline is not as good as I wish that it would. And I think that's resulted in him kind of being a little bit in a carousel situation at the leadoff spot, right? Where he's either hitting leadoff or he's hitting last. And I think against righties, like, you know, I would not be surprised, honestly, if the Cardinals had Lars Newtbar you know, who's an OBP machine, you know, who could potentially hit there against lefties and then Edmund against righties. And obviously that's not the worst scenario in the world. I mean, you know, he's defensively, he's a gold glover wherever he plays. And I think he's, he's solid at shortstop there, 
But I think the only question is like, yeah, and who gets to 600 plate appearances? I think he gets the 30 steals, the 10 home runs and all that. So I think that's all to say that I think it's nice. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, I don't know if I'm there at where, it, where, what he's going at right now. I think it's such a, the steals piece, the guys that derive so much of their, of their value from steals is an so interesting risky. conundrum just generally with the uncertainty around what that looks like um, and how much people improve on it. And, you know, you're obviously the smart projections will factor that in and we'll all have our kind of best guess, but we really don't know. And so I think there's a little bit of a additional kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, a Delta or like not a Delta, but like a little, not like a something in between an asterisk and a Delta. I think, I don't know what it is. Like maybe that little, you know, the little sign, like where they do like the asterisks first. And then there's a little like line that looks kind of okay. like a cross, but it's got like two crosses. Like, yeah. It's maybe, like when you look at the, at the appendix, like this is the second thing we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah. I think that's, I think that is what is on guys like Edmund that derive their steel because it's just like this, a little bitty, little bitty, like line with two, lines next to it of uncertainty around how they're going to derive their value this year. And it could be, and I think it's very plausible that instead of stealing 30 bases, Edmund steals 40, you yeah. know, or something like that, where it's actually, there's more value there because of it. But I think there's also the fact that maybe you can get that from somebody else, you know, um, a little bit later in the draft, maybe the steals are not going to be as scarce as they used to be. That's um, that's the big kicker right there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to look up what those things are called just so that we can be very <laughs> clear on what that thing is that we're putting on Tommy Edmond and people like him. Um, and the one, the one thing I'll say is, and it's common sense stuff for anybody that listens to the show. I think they're knowledgeable enough to know if you do draft Tommy Edmonds, your, your mindset is okay. I'm getting 30 plus steals. But the problem is kind of what Toby was saying when you draft a guy that's a heavy stolen base guy. We talk about rabbits all the time. I'm not saying Tommy's a rabbit as much because he's got a bunch of skills he brings to the table. But all it takes is for him to go down. If he didn't draft backup stolen bases, you're screwed. That's the one thing I'll say with Tommy Evans. Don't get that mindset. Like if, if he starts batting ninth a lot or if he starts like he – might, he might not even need an injury to all of a sudden here's you know, 25 to 30 steals instead of the 30-plus we were hoping for. Just like little minute things that you're trying to figure out to, as you're drafting your squad that – you know, Evans is a good player. I'm just nervous because I think Newbar's a beast and he's going to earn plenty of time at the top of that order. Plenty of time at the top of that order. So we'll uh, see how it goes. Maybe Edmund gets driven in a time by Newbar. Who knows? That could be a plus for all of us. But uh, I think I think Lars is a very, very talented ball player that should get plenty of time at the top of that St. Louis order. And, 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 and this is totally just trying to guess the future, which is kind of what we do in this game. But Eventually, Father Time's going to catch up to Goldschmidt. Eventually, I don't know if it's this year. I, he hasn't shown any signs of it, but eventually, it's going to happen, and that means fewer runs for potentially Edmund if, if Goldie mm -hmm. and like Aaron those guys start to slow down. Like you start looking at the total landscape, it's an old team behind that situation. Uh, yeah, we'll Contreras, which is big, but I'm just trying to throw every negative option out there just to put the mindset around this because Edmund's awesome, but you're you're I don't know operating on. The perfect storm is what it feels like. And there's a lot of moving parts right now in St. Louis. So that's my two cents. Could be totally wrong. For sure. Bubba. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have, Did you figure out what it is? I, I have some amazing news. I saw the smile. He found something I have, first. <laughs> I have some remarkable news about what it is called. Okay. Are you ready for it? Yep. It is called the dagger. Are you kidding me? The asterisk with two I am crosses? Not, no. So it's either the dagger is like the cross with one line in a footnote. And the okay. double dagger is the okay. is the one with the two. So double dagger is so pretty cool. Tommy too. <laughs> Edmund has the dagger on him. You know I'm what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm taking notes about this, so it's on my show notes. Your dagger and double dagger. I think it's amazing. I mean, we're gonna have to think about how we use dagger and double dagger. You know, because it's like. I mean, is Tommy Edmund like is a double like how much of well, your value the, all, do you need to derive out of steals for you to be a dagger versus a double dagger? All know? I know, Toby, all I know, Toby, is when we review our previews, we're gonna have to rate our dagger and double dagger at every position. That's just how it's gonna be. Like which guy? Which oh, who is yeah. the dagger and who is the double dagger? It's like the value ceiling type player. Who's the dagger? Who's the double dagger? What do you got? What the the yeah. risk? Literally, if you have one or two daggers, that's a risky situation. That is a very risky situation. <laughs> so, you know who's definitely on. a double dagger? Not necessarily because it's a risky Jazz proposition, Chisholm. but no, 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 no. Tyler Stevenson. He is okay. a big dude. He's I don't know big, if big a single dude. dagger could take down Tyler Stevenson, he might need, but a okay. double dagger. I who know it's a, not the right the context, but it feels who needs a triple dagger? Who needs the triple dagger? Stevenson or Pete Alonzo? Oh man! Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's bigger than Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, not many, not many. That's for sure. You know who isn't the seventh second baseman off the board here? That's Andres Jimenez at pick eighty six, going two two picks after. Yeah, he's Tom not Edmund. even a dagger. He just sucks. Uh, I was waiting. I was waiting for. That. I'm getting that from a lot of people because this guy he had an amazing late year last year. Hasn't really showcased the power ever. Seventeen homers, twenty stolen bases. I'll get out of the way real quick. 17 home runs on 24 barrels. I'm going to beat Toby to that one real quick, just so people can uh, pinpoint the quote-unquote Joey Luck club on that one. Speed's always been there, though. That's been a thing with Jimenez. We've been waiting for him to be this good. He had, for average last year, not usually not that big of an average, huge BABIP. So there's a lot of things pointing towards maybe some regression. I will say a 20% K rate is very promising for the kid. Walked a little more than he has in his entire career. Um, barrel rate at 6.2%, best of in short career. 30 almost 38 percent hit rate best of his short career hits the ball on the ground a ton all of this is what i'm saying is i understand there is a lot of swing and miss the there's a lot of concern in andres menez's profile what i'll also say is he's 24 years old and he's getting better each year like we've seen we've seen this with players we talked about i i think we did this on this show when we like three years ago toby Willie Adamas kind of had the same slow progression going. We saw this, and we were all kind of waiting for it to happen, and it finally happened. Not comparing the two, but I'm just trying to get ahead of it because I am an Andres Jimenez believer. I think this is a 2020 guy at some point in time. I don't know if it's next year. He might have a couple more hiccups before he becomes that guy. But I think what we saw last year is definitely something he can fine-tune. I also think it does not ever suck to be able to play every day with guys like J-Ram that can sit there and talk to him and kind of relate to him as, as a young Latin player. So I, I think that's a big thing as well. So I'm a Jimenez guy. I understand all the negative stuff. I've heard it from many people, and I'm looking forward to hearing it from Toby as well. 
but I'm willing to take to me, he's my I'm not going as in on him as I was on Jazz Chisholm last year, but I think this is the guy for where you draft him to what he could his ceiling could be is a big, big boost at this position. Yeah. Um shoot me down. Shoot me down. Don't be nice. Go. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that he's one of these guys where I mean I could easily be wrong about Andres Jimenez. I mean, you pointed out some of the stuff that I'm not you know, as into, um, the 75% barrels per home run, you know, is definitely one of them. Although, you know, I will say that it was worse, I think during the season, um, 75%, I mean, you know, honestly, what is he at? Uh, You know, 75%, you know, he's getting all of his home runs on pulled, Pulled, and, and um, his home ballpark ball. is phenomenal for left-handed hitters. Yeah, phenomenal for sure. for left-handed that's hitters. why we love Josh Bell. That's why yeah. we love Josh Bell. Um, so, I mean, again, I think you highlighted a lot of things. I mean, you know, the plate discipline isn't great. You know, the contact rate, that that strikeout rate, I think is a little low for me, although the aggressiveness may play in to his benefit um, there. You know, the BABIP was very high as well. So I just think that like, you know, you could see where you could maybe chip away a little bit at different places. But I think at the same time, you can also see the projection. I mean, 267, 19, 17, yep. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't know with the error bars, you know, and kind of the dagger. This might be a know. double dagger. This might I, be a double this dagger. It could be I'll a be double serious. dagger. I, I didn't want to go there <laughs> oh, so soon, but I, definitely I think be. he might be a double dagger, Andres Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really just not sure about the stolen base der- deriving value uh piece for him no i i think that um i think he's somebody where you know i struggle a lot because well i struggle in i struggle in one hand because the the way that i do player analysis it's like i have to trust the numbers you know like i kind of like rely on the numbers and i rely on i don't know whatever regression or yeah things well, you, you know you i, I want to see it in your formulas and everything. yeah no you you have your system it's worked for you very well i want to so, believe yeah. it i know i know yeah. although you know i did a really bad bad job at hitters last year so like so there's that so there's the so that i need to see it so i yeah. i have trouble trusting in that sense but at the same time i also trust the projections more than i trust myself and the projections while i do not have the dollar valuation i think in 1917 with a 267 you know the runs in rbi are a little meh but like and I could see that. I mean, I could also see him getting platooned, right, against lefties. I think, yeah. um, you know, if he struggles. And so those are the things that kind of add up to me that tell me, you know, number one, probably a double dagger. Number two, I don't really want to draft this guy at 80, you know, like or yeah. 80, whatever, is, whatever. What is he at? 86.82. I don't really want to go there, you know? Yeah, I get it. It's one of those are... I usually try to stick to – I'm definitely – people get mad at me because you said it. Like, I'm usually – I want to see it first guy too. That's, that's how I am. It's just something about this guy. Like, we've been – we've seen the pedigree. We've been waiting for it to happen. It finally happened. It's one of those I feel like he could do it again, and next year we're talking about him getting the top, like, 40 ADP again. And now we're starting to play that game. It, it, the guys ahead of him, I haven't felt like they could jump that much. Some of the guys behind them could, which might make passing on – um Jimenez worth it like some guys we'll talk about later so I could see that argument he just feels like he's got that that upside I, I 
projections have had him hitting behind J-Ram. I'd love him to hit like second or third, hit, hit in front of J-Ram. I think that would be tremendous for him, obviously, common sense type stuff. But um, I don't know what it is about Anderson Menes. I'm not forcing the hand in drafts. Like with Jazz, I forced the hand last year. I was drafting Jazz everywhere. Um, I'm not fortunate with him in it. Like I have him in like 50% of my leagues. I have like five leagues or so six leagues or something. So I have him on two or three teams. I'm not fortunate, but it is a guy that I do like the upside. That's for sure. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not confident enough to go all in, but I think there's something there as bad as that's great analysis that they're looking for, but that's where I'm at right now. All right. This is a guy that I cannot wrap my head around. Roster resource has Glaber Torres leading off for the Yankees, which would help a ton. Obviously that'd be, that would be a big move if that were the case. But he's the eighth second baseman off the board, ADP of like almost 123 right now. So it's a big drop-off from Jimenez to Torres. It's like a, almost a 50-pick drop-off. We're talking over three rounds between the two at the second base position. But Glaber coming off a 24-home run, 10 stolen base, back-to-back double-digit stolen base season at 257. Kind of been that kind of bad average guy his entire career. But, um, you know, 310 OBP. It's interesting. If they have him leading off, that could be a 100-run guy with 20-plus homers and 10-plus steals. There is a lot more to like there than I thought originally from Glaber Torres. It's just, man, it's just we wanted him to be so good for so long. And last year, he was pretty darn good. But was he this good? I'm, I'm torn. Please tell me. Give me some insight here, Toby. Well, a couple things, Bubba. First and foremost, I just uh, tweeted out the link to our show with uh, – with daggers. two daggers, nice. With two daggers pointing down, people not um, they won't understand. Not paying attention to the show may think <laughs> that I want to kill you, but yes. <laughs> that's not when they listen. They'll, the they'll hear all the laughter behind it. And they're like, no, there's that's no that's there. not the intent. <laughs> is not that. I just want to make that very clear from the top. This is our first opportunity to talk about the asterisk that we need to put on all the Yankees from last year, who all benefited from the third ball. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, the third one, the special yeah. one that got put in the play. The for special them, yeah. ball that, that the Yankees got when yep. Aaron Judge hit his 62 home runs and Glaber Torres had his bounce back season with his highest barrel rate of his Preach, career. Preach, Toby. Preach. I mean, these Yankees can't really trust them. I would not draft any Yankees this year. I will not touch them. <laughs> They're disgusting, except for the pitchers. Think about how good Garrett Cole would have been last year if he didn't put up the highest home run per fly ball rate of his career. Of course, Toby brings it all back to Garrett I Cole. I mean, look. Look at the numbers. Who, Which team had the highest home run per fly ball rate last year? I'm guessing the Yankees. The Yankees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do they, live, do they hit in the best park for home um, runs? No, no. No. No, they no, don't. don't. They don't. But they do if you count the baseball, then it is the best ball. If you count the juiced baseball that aided the Yankees in their meager output last year. Uh, I just don't I think Glaber Torres is is skill wise, he's a four home run hitter a year. Tops. But with that juiced ball, I mean Aaron Judge maybe hits 30 home runs a year without the juice ball. Glaber's at four. DJ LeMahieu is at point five. He's a double dagger. He's double daggered. You talk. You asked about the triple dagger. Uh, (laughs) The triple dagger is a Yankee. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on Aaron Hicks. Triple dagger is a Yankee with a double dagger, which is Glaber. I mean, 
wipe the whole record books of MLB. Just, you know, put them in an Excel doc, yeah. highlight the whole thing and clear contents, you know, <laughs> or if you're in a Google hot Google doc, just hit backspace or delete, get rid of all the record books, start over. Um, I, so I, I digress, but, um, yeah, I mean, I do think that's actually like a legitimate yes. concern that I have about uh, Glaber uh, Torres. Uh, um, cause last time you had a lot of home I'm runs, totally it was a juice joking. ball year too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Glaber is, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, the, the Yankees lineup with that third ball is a solid lineup. It's a nice place to be, you know, he's going to be in a nice place to be. I don't think he was as bad ever as that 2021, 2020 season, you know, but again, I'm not fully sure that I'm buying into that power. I think one of the challenges with Glaber's power generally is that I, I, I don't think of him as being a guy who pulls the ball for home runs a lot, you know, so it's oppo or center field. And those are the guys that get hit most by this ball a little bit. So I think that, that is that I think with the steals, you know, it was nice to see the second double digit. So this is all, I think he's all fine. I think he's all fine. I mean, lowest ground ball rate of his career. I think that probably aided the power a little bit. So I'm not sure if I fully buy that 23 home run mark for him. I think it might be a little bit um, lower than that, but I think he's, he's solid all around. You know, he's probably like a 2010 guy um, with, you know, solid batting average, solid runs and RBI, depending on where he's, you know, going to hit in that lineup. You know, it does have some depth. So Again, I, you know, I probably, probably staying away just because of the, the triple dagger effect, but, um, and cause I like some guys later on. I just, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the middle of the pack is going to be where I want to invest uh, in this that, position. That's kind of where I'm thinking like with, uh, Glaber, you know, sure. Especially at the top of the order, that could be beautiful, but uh, there's also so much fall off on him and we've seen more fall off than good. There's definitely some guys behind him. I'd rather take a chance on. So it's, that's where I'm torn on Glaber. Like if he was going 50, 60 picks later where he used to go, it's a fun conversation. But at 122, where I'm probably getting another pitcher or more outfield depth at that point, I don't really see it happening for me. So we'll wait and see. I haven't even attempted to draft Glaber in any draft so far. They just literally just don't even put him in my queue. So I could could be a miss, but no Glaber for me. A guy that I'm kind of in on looking for a bounce back is Max Muncy. Um, I avoided him at all costs last year because of the injury. Now he hasn't had surgery yet, so why should I change now? I think more of it's because we saw the healing process taking place. He right now is the ninth second baseman, ADP of 154. Hit 196 with 21 home runs last season, but uh, we all remember how he finished the season, and that's most important. And from August, I said 21 homers, don't forget, buck 96 on the season. From August 1st on, the final two months of the season, 12 home runs, hit 247, 37 RBIs. Uh, the whole season he walked like you'd expect him to, which is a plus. Uh, just the power and the consistent batting average was tricky. That got a lot better later in the season. And it took a while, like a long time. People were dropping him in leagues for good reasons. Um, but the, what I saw the last two months was much more than Max Muncy. We know the guy that perennially hit 25-plus, 30-plus home runs, hit for a good average, amazing OBP skills. And the Dodgers are going to need him this year because they, if you look at their starting lineup right now, they're missing some key pieces and they can obviously do some stuff, but they haven't yet. And there's not as much out there anymore. So I'm starting to buy in on Max Muncy as a, not a bad pick this late at the second base position. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that Muncy, given the shifting landscape of the fantasy game, 
the um, the the value of power that exists now, he seems like kind of just uh, beautiful. I think where he's going. I mean, you're getting a discount from previous years. He's doing pretty much the same thing. Your major concern with him is batting average, but you know, um, he had, he also had that 192 season where he had a 203 BABIP and the BABIP came back up. He's 256 for his career. He got unlucky on his home run per fly ball. It was way down. And that's not just the ball. I don't think at least, I, I don't believe it's just the ball. So you bump up that home run per fly ball rates. That's a few more hits. The batting average comes up. You help the BABIP out. You also factor in, uh, maybe he gets a few more hits here and there because of the shift, the rule change. So maybe that batting average is a little bit less of a liability than it was before. And then I think he's, he's golden to hit 25 to 35 home runs, you know, probably 25 to 30 is a little bit safer bet, but hitting in the middle of that, you know, Dodgers lineup, it's not going to be as deep of a lineup as it was before. But I think that that maybe provides, you know, not that he like lost out on playing time, yeah. but maybe he's in there more often. Justin Locks Turner's gone. So there's DH bats for him. You know, it just feels like a nice little bounce back season. We know he was struggling early in the year with, with that injury. You know, it just makes a ton of sense. And so I think, you know, normally I would be a little bit hesitant, but the game has changed and power yeah. is valuable. And so I think this is, this is a really nice spot where I think you get a consistent, consistent performer in the power department who can produce yeah. like some of those first basemen that are going way up further up in the draft. Perfect. Perfect point. Uh, flexibility. Second base, third base is great as well. Um, and you mentioned the, the changing landscape just to kind of go on that farther. I've said it many times on many shows is, you know, everyone thinks 300 hitter, 300 hitter, but um, the league average bag number last year was 234. So you get a guy like Muncie that can hit 250, 255. That is pretty, pretty good. So um, you, you kind of take that and run with it, and you you enjoy that because it doesn't hurt you nearly like it used to in years past. So, yeah, I, I like Muncie a lot more than, than I had before. Last second baseman here in the top 10 and how the mighty have fallen. Jorge Polanco, uh, the 10th second baseman off the board at 155.5, two picks after Max Muncie. Very injury-riddled season in 2022. After 2021, we had 33 home runs, 11 steals at 269. Last year, only 104 games, fifth, or 16 homers, three steals, 235. Tons of injuries. Walked a ton, though. Way more than he has. Most since 14.4%, most since 2015. Also struck out more than he has since 2014. Lots of injuries. Uh, Babip down. I don't think he's the 33-11 guy. I think we can kind of agree on that. But I think there's realistic, of you know, health-wise, 20, 22 homers with, you know, eight, nine steals. I think that's reasonable. So this could be one of the first kind of guys farther down we were talking about earlier where you could see a bounce-back possibility in the value department, maybe. Or you might just be all out on Polanco. So what's your thoughts on Jorge? Last point on Max Muncy. Okay. Max Muncy, last year, his home run per fly ball on pulled fly ball, so not even thinking center field, or opposite field, which were impacted most by the new ball, 31.7%. The previous seasons, 50, 61.5, 58.6, So you're going from like, I don't know, 13 home runs or something like that to Almost 22. That's yeah. like a Almost 10 home it, run yeah. potential gain if he's just hitting where he like usually averages there. So anyways, draft maximum. 
everybody. Yeah. Uh, Polanco, yeah, Polanco, there's just so many injuries last year, like you mentioned. I think it's really hard to look at his line in a thoughtful way without kind of factoring that in. A huge drop in contact rate. You know, a huge drop in in-zone contact rate. He was also more patient than he's been the previous year, but right around in line with where he usually is. You know, um, the ground ball rate was still low, which I think was the key to his power. That walk rate is a total anomaly. It's a total anomaly. He won't be close to that next year. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is kind of, is he back to the contact rate he was at last year? I don't think so. I think a lot of that was injury-driven. You know, Steamer's kind of cut in the middle between his career and what he did last year a little bit. Um, and so I think, you know, let's see, 29 barrels for the 16 home runs. I mean, yeah. I mean, he looks like kind of a 20 and seven guy. Yeah. Like what his projection has him at, I think is fairly accurate, you know, hitting kind of in the middle of that lineup. You know, I think the, the stat should be okay. It's not a great lineup. It's not, it's not a super good lineup. Um, but so I think he's, I think he's, I'll go out and say that I think he's fine here, but I'm not sure if I'm going to draft him here or not. Yeah, yeah no, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I could see the reasons to take him at this price point, ADP-wise. Like, I think we all can agree, basically, you should get back to the close with the projection saying. I think that's a pretty good ball player at this point in time. Um, at the same time, I think there's some guys that we're going to talk about here in a minute that I think might be the same or better farther back so that's that's where it gets interesting but i have no problem with plonko at this price point let's put it that way i, I can see the appeal to get in 20 plus home runs potentially at second base which is pretty nice at uh close to adp 200 as we swoop on down there all right we're gonna do adps 11 through 20 at the second base position we'll each take two as we always do uh brandon lau thyro Estrada, josh rojas whit merrifield jake cronenworth jonathan india brandon drury von grissom jeff mcneil Cattell Marte is the 20th second baseman off the board. Let that sink in on how things have changed. But Toby, who's your first guy you'd like to talk about? A first of your two down here. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Jonathan India as the first yeah. one. Um, you know, Indi India battled, battled a variety of different ailments last year, you know, so it was kind of like a season that never really started for him, but he ended it pretty well. I don't think there's any real change in skill. You know, he's still got great, he's got really good plate discipline. He's got above average contact rates across the board. Um, uh, he's still going to hit leadoff. He's still going to be in that ballpark. You know, he, the 14 barrels is like a little bit of a concern, but I also think that just given kind of the injuries and the fact he never got started, and he finished, I, I, didn't he finish strong last year? Am I just making that up? What was his second half like? Am I just I making was, that up? I don't think it was that great. Oh, WRC plus of 108. So yeah. second half last year, 9.5% uh, walk rate, 19.8% K rate, 261 batting average. Um, and then what was it, what was the actual line? 32 runs, 26 RBI. Um six home runs in 200 in 262 plate appearances. So, um, I mean, not like the powers, the one question mark, I think a little bit after kind of taking a little bit of a deeper, deeper dive, a deeper look. But I think with the, with the, 
with the potential just with that park and where he's hitting in the lineup and all of that combined going at this ADP of around, you know, 190, I think if he hits that projection, it's a perfectly fine pick, you know, 251, 18 and 9 with 80 runs. And uh, but I think there's I think there's definite upside there. He's still just he's 26, did not have a help, fully healthy season last year. You know, as a rookie, 269, 21 home runs, 12 steals with 98 runs. So, again, I, I think I like that. I like he's the type of I was into him last year. I don't know why I wouldn't be into him this year after being into him last year. Um, and he's 80, you know, he's going 80 picks later, you know. Yeah, I, I love the India call. That was one of the top ones on this section to pick. And the only thing I'll add to you is, is um, I know we talked about it last year doing our fab shows, is he really never stood a chance they brought him back too early on the first injury and he injured it right away and then he was out for like a month and a half. Like the, the soft tissues deals, and he just never, ever bounced back from that. So I'm willing to take chances because you hit one of the biggest things for me is 20, he, was, he was the rookie of the year two years ago. He's leading off in Great American Small Park. I'll take my chances at this ADP in a big, big way. Uh, for me, the first one I'll mention is Thyro Estrada, the 12th second baseman off the board at 177. I'll put my homer cap on for a minute, but Estrada coming off 14 homers, 21 steals, hitting 260, playing in 140 games, the most games of his career in the big league level. Strikeout rate was low both years with the Giants, 17.4, 16.5, which is great to see from a young ball player. He's going to be 27 this next year. Projected a lead off for the Giants, and I actually believe that might actually happen because they moved him up there a lot last year once he got comfortable. And he's supposed to be the everyday second baseman. He moved around a lot last year. Uh, when Correa signed, and that's still up in the air because that press conference got delayed on Tuesday. There's rumors that there might be a medical thing involved, so that'll be fun. But uh, when Correa got signed, they all said Crawford's going to third. That's what management, coaches all said. Second base for now is Estrada's position. It's it's his position to lose. Um, and so I'm a believer in what we saw from him. We did see like the, the barrel rate drop compared to 2021 20, uh, and whatnot, but we still saw a very productive 4.4% for him, which is productive. Uh, you know, he's 18 barrels and he hit 14 on runs. So Toby will, will not be happy with that, of course. But, um, you know, 290 Babip, it's, it still hit uh, 260, which I'll take my, my chances with. I think there's a lot to like at this ADP. Uh, the projections got him for 16 16 with 258. I think it's very doable if he leads off for the Giants. I think there's more there. What I would say, if you want like a bold prediction on your late December nights, Thyro Estrada could give you what Andres Jimenez gave you last year. And he's going 100 picks later. So that's what I'll go with. If he stays and leads off all year, plays 140 plus games, because Steamer's projections only had him for like 122. I think he plays more than that. I don't see how he plays 122 games leading off for the job. Who, who, who's going to like, why would you sit Thyro Estrada? So I, I like him at this ADP. If you want to take a chance on some upside, 15 15 with maybe a slight, slight chance of 2020. But uh, there is some appeal there. What do you got for your next guy? Or you can comment on that. I'm gonna, prefer... I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Nick Gordon. I like um, it. No, 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 twins. not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. You're on Von Grissom. Nick Gordon's the oh. next section down. <laughs> Just so excited to talk about Nick Gordon. Yeah, Nick Gordon's great. All right, so not Nick Gordon. Psych. You guys totally <laughs> thought I was gonna talk about Nick Gordon. I can't believe you thought that. Double dagger. Um, yeah. So Vaughn Grissom. Um, so the thing that's interesting to me about Grissom is 
the the projection. I mean, again, Steamer with the young guys is a little bit higher, but um, you know the the uh, the approach like the O swing isn't great. It's it's not very good, but he still made much higher than league average contact. You know, seventy seven point three percent. So the K percentage is relatively low. And I think some people, some smart people have said this before too. I mean, plate discipline is, is great just in terms of like hitting the ball well and all those things. But in the fantasy game that a lot of us play, which is five by five average, you know, it, it can take away a little bit from what a guy is able to contribute. You know, he does have the high BABIP, but um, at 291, the projections have him at 273. I mean, that's fantastic. And 11 and 11 in 418 plate appearances you know, again, he got off to a super quick start, but, you know, he had eight barrels last year, you know, 7.4% barrel rate. Um, he's fast. He makes a lot of contact. He's got his projection is 11 and 11 in 418 plate appearances. He's battling Orlando Arcia for the starting <laughs> shortstop role. I mean, come on, let's be honest with each other. I mean, Orlando Arcia couldn't be the starting shortstop for the Brewers, let alone like a division competing team. So Grissom is very interesting to me. I think there's a lot of upside um, with him and maybe the uncertainty around the role. I mean, he's the type of guy where he's going like 194, 195 right now. But if he is clearly the starter when when the season's about to break, you know, he goes, he jumps 50 picks probably. Easily, easily. Um, so I like Grissom where he's going right now. You know, these are the type of uh, things I think that make you kind of want to draft yeah, right early. now, but yep. I still haven't, I, I still haven't drafted. I'm not going to draft till February. Yeah. So I'm sticking we, to it. We talked about a few guys. With, I talked about a few guys with fish last night and I'm like, this is the reason you can justify drafting early. Like these names right now, because they won't be in this spot or, like in a couple months, not even close. So this is the reason to do it. And Grissom is definitely one because everyone sees the way the season ended, how all of a sudden he wasn't playing every day for some reason, even though he's very productive. So much better than RCA, like you said. So 100% with you there. Uh, my other gentleman from pick 11 through 20 will be the newly signed Los Angeles Angel of Anaheim as of like three hours ago, Brandon Drury. And he's projected to play second base for the Halos, which is going to be beautiful. Um, I kind of liked him already, figuring whoever took him would – kind of utilizing the way the Padres and the Reds were like, he's the super utility guy. That's going to get it. Like he he's produced enough to not sit him right now. And the angels have improved the lineup a ton. He had 28 home runs last year at 263, um, 87, 87. I think this is a great spot to be in sixth in that lineup. A lot of RBI chances there. The power should still be there. Um, projections have him for 21 and 247. Strikeout rate continues to be do, like serviceable. The walk rate went up last year, which I like to see. Uh, with his plate discipline with 10.4% barrel besters career last year, still with 41.7% hard hit rate, but also one of the best max EVs of his career. Uh, I don't think it was as fluky, and I was kind of hesitant on him all last year, and then he's continued to do it, continued to do it. I'm buying in now. Like, this is a guy that we've seen showcase this from time to time in his career when he got regular playing time. He got it last year and did it. He should get it in Anaheim, and that's big. So I think he's another guy that's already going to move up in ADP now that he's signed somewhere, and we kind of know where he's at. I don't know if he moves up enough, though. I think he's still in this 11 through 20 range, and that makes him very, very attractive to me. Doesn't steal a lot of bags, though, but if you just want a pure power source, this is a dude that that can supply it later in drafts and um, be quite productive. So I like the brand injury landing spot. I like his ADP right now in drafts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good shout. I, I was, I was uh, flummoxed, to say the least, about 
his contract. Yeah, very cheap. Very cheap. Two years, 17 mil. Like, how does like a contender not sign him to that? Like, that's I mean, free Matt money Carpenter for... got 12 million for one year. Yeah. No, I saw 217. I'm like, maybe they are gonna platoon him. But then it's like, no, why would you platoon him? Like, we can put David Fletcher oh, no, in platoon. Yeah, like, I mean, I think he's like, I think he's, he's the guy. There. He's the dude. Yeah. Luis Rangifo, like, really? Are we doing this? I mean, no, it's, it's Drew's plays... job. I mean, I guess it's like you can think that Geo plays shortstop instead of Renjifo or whatever, but they, yeah. he, he easily makes it makes it into that lineup. I mean, they play him at first base over Walsh, probably. I yeah. mean, honestly, um, he, yeah, you should be in a lineup every day somewhere. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in that lineup, I mean, you know, you got Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury. I wouldn't be surprised if Drury's ahead of you know Renfro. Um, you know, or Rendon, depending on how he does, you know, could slide back a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I think it's a good shout too. I mean, I, I believe everything that uh, Drury was able to do, maybe it was like a better than he usually is season, but you know, the underlying metrics were all pretty good for him, I think. And and so I agree with you. I think it's, a, I think it's a good shout. And I was just surprised at the contract, like, you know, just being two years, 17 mil. I mean, like I mean kudos like, to him. Like he was, yeah. you know, on the veteran minimum probably prior to this year, but true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah two seventeen. Like, Hey giants. Hello. Like this is a perfect utility guy for you. Play him everywhere. I just drop Wilmer Flores. Like I don't care. Just eat this contract. But yeah, that's a whole other podcast. All right. Late round flyers post 20 ADP at the second base position. Who is your first guy? We still have to wait one more guy before we get to the other guy you already mentioned. Yeah. I mean, Gene Segura. I mean, I- I'm assuming that some of this is, um, you know, he's going to pick 235. I'm assuming that some of this is just uncertainty about where he ends 100%, 100%. up. But I mean, he's going to get a starting job somewhere. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know what Segura has to do. You know, he's going to hit for a high batting average. You know, he doesn't strike out, showing a little bit more pop, you know, than he has uh, previously. You know, he puts the ball in play like he does everything, like he contributes across the board, and you get him here you know, as your second base slot. I mean, there's not a huge difference, you know, necessarily. I mean, I think you can make an argument for, you know, the reasons why, like, you know, that he's better than, uh, you know, everybody after like Jorge Polanco, you know, or even like, you know, I mean, I think, I think Segura's great right here. I mean, obviously like maybe punished a little bit because there's the lack of power and maybe the speed isn't as valuable, but then the batting average is also going to be good. And he's going to play every day wherever he ends up. Like he, there, he's not the contract that he gets will be from a team that where he's the best second baseman they got, the the best guy that they can, you know, throw in wherever wherever he's going to play. So uh, I think it. I think that for me is pretty clearly a, a misvalue, but I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great call there. I've, I've been confused by that one. It's I think it's literally like you said. People don't know where he's going. Like, they're nervous he might not start every day. I don't know. That's the only thing. Uh, first guy for me here is Colton Wong. This is a guy I like perennially every year. I think he's always undervalued. ADP of 234 right now, traded to Seattle, which is big. Um, something he's not going to play every day. Like, Steamers got him at 120 games. They haven't platooning with Dylan Moore. I'm sorry. No. Like, I just don't see, like, why would you take a gold glove second baseman off the field with that pitching staff with an already loaded lineup? Like you can take him towards the top versus righties and lefties on the mound, him at the bottom, keep the glove on the field. Like Dylan Moore, what's he going to do? Hit 210 
and like swipe some bags. I, I just don't I don't see the appeal. Maybe more makes his bounce back. I don't know, but I've heard some very smart Seattle Mariners fans and people that follow them religiously, and they're like, I don't see how more doesn't like maybe it's like an 80-20 split, but it's not like a split. Like it's not a platoon. It's still Colton Wong's job. I think that might be factored into why he's going down. You know, 15-17 last year, 14-12 the year before, 11 24 in 2019. We know the power and the speed is pretty darn legit when he gets to playing time. And the average, you know, 251 is projected, but 251 last year, 272, 265, 285. Just a very, very, very solid player at this point in the draft. Like, I love him as a middle infield option. If you really punt second base, I don't hate it. And I'm a believer that his playing time is much better than a platoon with Dylan Moore. So that's one reason why I'm buying into him. Could be overlooking it, but I think Colton Long's going far too late for the consistency we've seen in his career. But that's me. Who's your next guy? Here, you, he, Finally. Now you can talk about him. Oh, you can talk about him. Geez, I've been waiting. Nick Gordon. Uh, the only thing that I want to talk about with Nick Gordon, I mean, the dude had nine home runs in 29 yep. barrels. Yep, he's a beast. Bubba, I'm he's not a, a mathematician, but that is the wrong answer right yep. there. And so let me tell you, he's got a path to playing time. He hits for batting average. If he replicate i mean like that barrel rate maybe that's not what he is i mean he's his let's say he gets that 8.6% barrel rate you know for a full season so you're essentially looking at like you know third like 35 to 40 barrels that could easily be 20 home runs you know he could easily steal 10 bases i mean i think you're getting a high batting average 2010 guy and I think I feel like he's the type of dude who could take a leap. I mean, he's fifth overall pick in the 2014 draft. He's 27. He's in his prime. He's he bulked up. They talked about how he had all these yeah. digestive issues a couple years ago, and they figured those out. And he's added some some muscle. He's gonna have some more muscles. He's gonna be like, dude's gonna be off the hook, and he's going uh, pick 270. So I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm on the Nick Gordon train. Yep. Come join the party. I, I, I picked him up in every fabric I could last year. Cause I'm a believer in it. It's just, it's just a playing time thing with him. And there's still stupid rumors. Cause he doesn't have lefties that great, but I think they just got to give him a run, give him a run at it. See what he can do. It's not as bad as people think when they gave him a chance last year, it wasn't as bad as they thought. So hundred percent on board with you. Dude is awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, the gentleman I'll be talking about is Isak Paredes. And there's a lot of guys down here we kind of talked off show about. You can kind of make arguments for at this point in the draft. He's first base, second base, third base eligible with an ADP of almost 318 right now. Um, the Rays have him platooning, which we'll see. He still played in 111 games last year at 20 home runs, hitting 205, unfortunately. Steamer's got him at 112 with 19 and 244. The 205 is definitely low. 195 Babbitt. I think he's, I think the 240 to 250 range is much more the batting average wheelhouse. What's impressive to me. Yeah, the batting average is low, but 11.5% walk rate. He's been 11% or better pretty much for a long, long time. And the strikeout is only 17.6%. So great plate discipline from him. He's, he's, 20, he's going to be 24 this year. So he's super young with really, really, really good plate discipline for his age. Um, his flexibility is, is raised 101 stuff. The power is like so legit with him. A 6.4% barrel, almost 38% hard hit rate, 110.4% max EV. He sit for a lot of power in the minors. He got out of Detroit and he started just crushing in Tampa. This is one of those guys that if he just finds a path to playing time, which in Tampa we've seen happen many times, also many times very frustrating, but we've seen it happen. 
And so with an ADP of 317, it wouldn't shock me if somehow he fell into 130 to 140 games. Now you're talking 25 to 30 home runs. And if he starts hitting 240 like he should, there's a lot of production possibility here with him. Because Brandon Lau, I've never been a Brandon Lau guy. We saw the injuries last year. I'm I'm worried that it's going to keep going the wrong direction, or maybe a platoon comes into place there. Paredes plays platoons with Brown uh, with um, Lau, and then also gets to play other positions, third base, first base. Uh, I think this is a great chance if you want to go super late on a guy and take some upside, especially power upside in your draft. That's not an outfielder, a dead outfielder. Paredes is a guy I like quite a bit, so that's where I'll leave that one. All right, we have one listener question, but there's two questions. There's a fantasy question, and then kind of a toby fantasy question take me to the dq yeah we'll start with we'll start with the fantasy question first this is from john wilder really good dude avid listener appreciate you a lot john uh who in the current top 10 of second base adp are you avoiding at all cost and why i'll give you the floor first toby we named off 10 is it glaber is it someone else I kind of mentioned jazz who's the guy Uh, you're avoiding i mean i think the worst value proposition Probably Jazz. Mm-hmm. Or he, I think it's pro- <sighs> It's probably Jimenez. I, I don't know. One of those two. Yeah. I mean, the pro- the thing is, I probably won't get many of these guys. I won't get Semyon. I won't get Chisholm. I won't get Altuve, probably. I won't get Albies. Uh, pro- maybe not Edmund. Uh, not Jimenez. Probably not Glaber. Um, I mean, I would take Max Muncy straight up over Glaber. And Jimenez, for That's sure. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'll just say Glaber because I said it earlier. Like, and I probably won't have Jazz. I want some of these guys, but Glaber is a guy I've said I haven't even put in my queues. So I just haven't even looked at him in drafts. I just like, you know, hitting leadoff would be kind of a boost, but I just I don't see the production that we've talked about with Muncy and even like Thyro. I'd take my chance on India for sure. Drury, like, give me those guys over Glaber Torres. I just. I, I can't stomach it. Prove me wrong. I've been wrong many times. I but. mean, the, it's the it's the triple dagger. You can't yeah, go dagger. after a triple can't dagger. You can't go on a guy who's on an entire team that has an asterisk next next to not just their numbers, but the entire franchise's history. First I don't even thing. think Babe Ruth or oh, anybody else, oh, you know, they probably had a third ball too. Well, they probably did. They, they probably, probably did. had. I mean, uh, they probably had corked bats. Yeah, you think that the Yankees have just been better bats. as an organization than everybody? Forever. No, they've been playing with a third ball the whole time. Oh man, uh, John's other question here. Here's the DQ one. When you order a Blizzard from Dairy Queen, are you secretly hoping they forget to turn it upside down before they hand it to you? Um, you know that is a really good question. Um, I feel like when the Blizzard came out it needed something to distinguish itself from other similar um, similar ice cream uh, similar ice cream things like, like what do you even call an ice cream like yeah like like a blend thing i mean it was very like unique almost it's uh, almost it's like almost like i, I didn't but i didn't want to throw it in the milkshake category cuz it's so much yeah. more like it's you can't, more like a it's like a you can't smoothie drink almost. it with it's a more, straw it's almost like you know a smoothie um well, no cuz you drink smoothies with that's the thing is it's different it's it's unnameable it's unique it's it's a blizzard that's all you can say right yeah you know all you can say at the time that it came out you know but that really kind of like caught the eye and i think that's a really key branding piece right there is like there is a movement of tipping over like that 
If you're not watching on YouTube, you're really missing out. You saw my blizzard technique. Um, that is, that is inseparable from the blizzard itself. But the blizzard, what they did was they under, they, they, they weren't confident enough in their drink and the fact that it would distinguish itself solely by the incredible taste and flavor and consistency and everything about the blizzard. So you don't even need them to tip it over like that. Honestly, oftentimes when I order it, I'm on the road, you know, and so I get it and they actually have a soda cap on top of it with the spoon coming out the middle, which yeah. I think is very creative. But what the, my favorite part is that normally the lid doesn't push all the way down because it's overflowing with ice cream and Reese's peanut butter cups. So to answer your question, you know, I don't even, I think the blizzard stands out by itself without being tipped over. So I don't even yeah. think about it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there you have it, folks. The Dairy Queen expert just told you it is what it, like, it, the it blizzard is. Sponsored what it is. by Dairy Queen, by the way. What the should. heck? Somebody yeah. get in touch with it their should. people. Talk to our get, people. Give us some marshmallow company. Get s'mores. Get something. I'm telling you, but Dairy Queen for sure. I'm with you. Get us a few blizzards. Like, I don't need to get paid. Just throw a few coupons out there for like a couple of months or so. I'm like, we're good. Oh man, imagine if we got. Imagine it getting like I don't know. Two I'll wear a Dairy coupons, Queen shirt or like something when we do blizzards. it. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Uh, I might, I might have to order some t-shirts. Does Terry Queen sell t-shirts? I bet you you can find them somewhere. I guarantee you. And on that note, though. We'll yeah, but by the way, the days. old logo for Dairy Queen is much better than the new. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, like most, it's like, not like, even like, close. Okay, I'm not going to get on like I'm the old guy thing, but like most things in life, a lot of the old school stuff no. was a lot better than the new stuff. <laughs> Let's just go right real quick to that. I'm not going. I'm not going to try to be the old man on the on the porch here, but it's kind of the way. It's the truth, people. Yeah. Um, things have no, changed, and not always for the good. No, it doesn't have double daggers next to it, Bubba. What? A, a bear, a blizzard. From Dairy yeah, Queen, not even you close. know, you know what you're gonna get. There's yep. no, you might you might get a double spoon, but not yeah. a double dagger. Man, that yeah, is overwhelming to think and about. Like quad, and like and quad napkins because it's just so good. You do have to get a lot of napkins yes. oftentimes. For sure, I may or may not still have some spilled uh, blizzard <laughs> from holder. like a month and a half ago on the console <laughs> of my car beautiful that's a that's a veteran move right there just you know i'm For gonna sure. do it again probably next week hey, no. if i get hungry yeah. later on you know just hey, it's been so cold out it's probably nice and frozen when you get in the car it's perfect it's like eating it from a cup perfect and again on, on that note we're gonna wrap this one up second base review in the books we will not be back with you fine folks next week enjoy the holiday between christmas and new year's we'll be back with you in 2023 to get you going wow. at the shortstop position as the year continues to fly by, which means Toby might be drafting sooner than later. Cause we are in 2023. February. I think it's like February. So we're getting closer, you know, it's getting uh, closer. Um, I'm, I'm really limiting. I'm really cutting down my leagues. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm proud doing of you. four big fab leagues. And then I'm going to do like maybe two DCs. I'm proud of you. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. And then TGFBI uh, and, and barf and barf. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, We'll see how that goes, but um, make sure you follow Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. Hope you guys all have a happy and safe holiday week or so, weekend with friends, family, whatever you're doing, whatever you celebrate. Have fun. And final words, Toby. No, uh, yeah. Have a have a great Christmas for those who celebrate. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. And um, yeah, I, I hope everybody 
stays warm and, and toasty and, um, has a good time with the, with the people they love. Yep. Yep. Enjoy, enjoy whatever you enjoy. That's all I just say. Have fun, be safe and join us in 2023. But for now, this was Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 140. Catch you guys next time. That's going to wrap us up for episode 236 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast in edition number 140 above in the Batflip. That was your second base preview. Next up, I think we'll either be doing third base or shortstop. Um, can't remember, but we'll be skipping next week and coming to you on January uh, 3rd. That will be our next show. Hope you enjoy this. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful Hanukkah, um, whichever uh, you celebrate. Um, yeah, just hope you have a wonderful time with the holidays, spending time with the people, um, you love and take care and be kind to one another.